Amen. Thank you, Joe, uh, for that prayer. And thank you, friends, for tuning in this Easter Sunday. I'm Pastor Pete, and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to worship with you and, and to bring God's Word uh, from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. I love the, the varied uh, perspectives and, and perspectives of the resurrection story. And, and in particular, I love the story of Thomas. Have you heard of Thomas? He's forever known as Thomas, the doubting disciple, doubting Thomas. Poor guy, he gets a really bad rap. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the story of Jesus rising from the dead from the perspective of Thomas. Thomas, who's forever known as a doubter and a skeptic. But, but listen, his point of view matters. He, he simply wanted more evidence. He had more questions. There's nothing wrong with that. And so the first thing I want to tell you this morning is doubt is not an enemy of faith. No, no, the Christian faith encourages good questions because we believe and we know from our experience that the Bible has the best answers. And you know what else about Thomas? We owe him a debt of gratitude. Let me set the scene for you. It was the Last Supper. Jesus knew what was coming the next day. He knew that he was going to carry that cross to Calvary. He knew he was going to suffer and die on that cross. And even as he was trying to explain this to his disciples so them to, for them to understand, and he, he washed their feet to show them what it meant to be servant leaders of, of love, they still didn't get it. And Peter, his number one man, said, Lord, I will never deny you. Even if everyone else leaves you, you got me by your side. And, and Jesus said, no, Peter, you'll deny me three times. And then Jesus looked at his friends. They're clueless. They really don't understand what's going on. He knows what's coming. He carries that burden. And listen to what he says in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. This is what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I think about what Jesus is carrying. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Also believe in me. He says, in my father's house are many rooms that if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And then Jesus looked at all in the eye and said, and, and you know the place where I'm going. I imagine you could hear a pin drop. He's just said to all the disciples, you know the place where I'm going. I imagine the disciples are looking at each other like, um, sure, yeah. We know. We're, everyone's a little afraid to, to speak up. But it's Thomas, Thomas who has the courage to say, Lord, we have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? That is a good question. That is an honest question question. And Jesus welcomes that question, and he gives Thomas and us an even better answer. He looks at Thomas, he looks at all of them, he looks at you and me, and he says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Without Thomas's question, we might never have had Jesus's words, his answer here. See, Thomas had the courage 
to ask a question that other people were afraid to ask. So I, I don't know about you, I like Thomas. There's a little, little bit of Thomas in me. How about you? Is there a little Thomas in you maybe? You've got some questions. You're not sure. Can I still ask questions this far into my Christian journey? And the answer is yes. The, the answer is those questions are welcomed. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says, this insight. Uh, we'll put this uh, on the video so you can see it. He says, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies. People who go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she's failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should be only which should only be disregarded after long reflection. Isn't that encouraging? So if you're watching, you feel like, well, I've had some doubts. I've had some skepticism. Right here, Easter Sunday, 2020, let's talk about it. And with that in mind, let let me describe the scene here in in chapter 20. And Carrie set it up earlier in the service when she, she read those first verses. Jesus' friends and family were mourning his grisly execution. Can you even imagine what this family is going through? He'd been welcomed into Jerusalem as a king, but a week later, he was dead. And when the shepherd goes, the sheep scatter. And they find themselves hidden away in a secret room. Uh, no one knows where they are. They've, they've, they've locked the doors. They've shuttered the windows for fear of reprisals from the authorities. And then on Sunday morning, something spectacular happened. It began when, when Mary Magdalene returned with some of the other women claiming to have seen Jesus, not, not just a a hallucination, but they said they'd seen Jesus alive. Imagine the commotion. And then in walks Peter and and John, and they say, we've been to the tomb. The stone's rolled away. It's empty. Yeshua is alive. That would have sent shockwaves through the whole house. Then we read in, in, in Luke's gospel, we read that Cleopas and a, another disciple, later in the evening, they return, they burst in, and they say, we walked with Jesus. Like, we were walking with him. We invited him to stick around for dinner. But then he took off, but we were actually talking and walking with him. All of this troubled Thomas immensely. He was trying to make sense of this nonsense. No, no Jewish teacher or teaching at that time ever taught about resurrection until the end of time. There was no understanding that the Messiah would die and rise again. Not until the end of time. No one ever taught that in school. And none of Jesus' disciples expected a literal resurrection from the dead. And now here's Thomas trying to make sense of it all. Now I imagine he's thinking, 
to himself, okay, I can cut Peter some slack. Peter, just the other night, kind of spoke before he, sh- he should have. He said he'd never deny Jesus, but we all know what happened. We all know that he ran and, and hid. So I'm going to cut Peter some slack, but Thomas has to think, but how is it that everyone is jumping on this bandwagon and saying they believed he's alive? Not Thomas. Thomas felt confused. He felt anxious. Listen, he missed Jesus as much as anybody, but he wasn't going to let his grief make him gullible. Not enough to believe this stuff. Jesus was dead, period, end of the story. The best thing that that Thomas could do for everyone that seems to be so excited and worked up is just make himself scarce. Maybe maybe social distancing wasn't such a bad idea. Maybe slip out through the side door, walk the streets alone, just to to collect his thoughts and, and make sense of everything that he's hearing. And to process for a little while, but the memory of Jesus, of walking with, with him for three years. Let's listen now to what happens next as Dana Wooster shares uh, the next passage, John 20, verses 19 to thir- uh, 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What, what an incredible account, but, but not unbelievable. Some 20 years later, not that long after, the Apostle Paul wrote his first letter to the church in Corinth, and he says to them, look, I met Jesus. I had an encounter with Jesus. And here, where I'm writing from, there are over 500 other people most of whom are still uh, alive, who saw to come and talk to them yourselves. You could see them for yourself and hear their story. And so here, John records what happened. He's in the room. He sees what happened. Jesus appears to them. He, he shows himself to them. He shows them the wounds. It says they're overjoyed. And then it says that he, he breathed on them. They received The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descended on that room in a powerful way. They were transformed. All this was lost on Thomas. He didn't feel a thing. He wasn't there. Let's read what happens next. I'll just pick up where we left off in in verse 24. It says, now Thomas, also known as Dynamis, just means twin, so a little uh, inside about Thomas, he had a twin. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were in that house again, and Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Good questions, my friends, are one thing. The, the Bible says the man who earnestly seeks the Lord will find him, but, but Thomas lets his doubt and his skepticism get the better of him. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, he says, I will not believe. He is so certain that Jesus is dead, he is blind to any other evidence. So many things he'd experienced that he had to process during that week. And he must have, it must have occurred to him how unbelievable they were if he hadn't seen them with his own two eyes. He'd seen Jesus teach like none other. He'd seen Jesus heal people's disease. He'd seen Jesus create food for the masses. He saw Jesus calm the storm. He saw Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus somehow knew that, that he was going to die on Jerus in Jerusalem. Thomas is make, trying to make sense of this. Could it be true? Could this evidence make sense? But it can't make sense. But the more he thought about it, the more struggling he had. Just imagine what's going on inside of Thomas. And now he's with his friends. And they're all acting strange, aren't they? They're all acting so differently. It'd be one thing if one of them said, said something, but all of them are saying that they saw Jesus. Not a ghost, but they saw Jesus. I imagine that week was very lonely for Thomas. I mean, his friends were all acting differently. And instead of debating with him, which he was used to, he loved to debate, they were being gracious. There was a joy about them. There was, it was as if, it was as if, they were vaccinated from all fear. Just days before, everyone's a scaredy cat hiding out behind locked doors. Now they're talking about going out with this good news to the masses. And they spoke with such authority. I mean, they, they were explaining the word of God to Thomas and talking about with one another with authority. How would you have reacted if you were there? This group of people opening the scriptures to see, to see how prophecy was fulfilled, to see how God's word came alive, that the creator of all things, holy and perfect in all ways, sent his son, God in human form, to live among us, to show us the way, to fulfill the old covenant, and then to die on a cross. All of it was coming together going down to the grave, and then coming up the third day. Thomas would have been flabbergasted by their passion, by their joy. 
by their faith. But listen, I really think if you consider all of that, that much love coming at you, I would think Thomas was a little uncomfortable. I mean, let's just be honest. It was kind of freaking him out how everyone was acting so differently. I wonder if Thomas was thinking, what about me? Why, why don't I feel any different? I mean, everyone's having this great big party. Everyone's hopping up and down. They're, they're singing. That's, but what about me? And then maybe he thought, why wasn't I included? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, why did, why did this happen to all of them when I just was out trying to make sense of, of what was happening? What is it, God? Am I, am I not good enough to get those answers? Am I somehow excluded because I didn't have enough faith? I imagine those were the kind of things that were running through Thomas's mind. How about you? Sometimes your doubt and skepticism, is it informed by your feelings, by your experience? You're trying to make sense of something that's up here in your head, but it, it hasn't descended into your heart. And I think Thomas is going through all of that and thinking, maybe I'm just not good enough. And then it happened. Jesus appears again right in front of him and he says, peace. <sighs> Thomas, can you imagine? He could hardly breathe. Like, peace. Then Jesus said to Thomas, and I, I just want to just imagine the tone with which Jesus would say this. With love, but a firmness, he says, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe, Thomas. I think Jesus returned that night just for Thomas. That's just what I think. But I think it makes sense. Listen, the disciples had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. They went from being disciples, which is a, a student, to apostles. They were given this incredible authority. Jesus had given the Holy Spirit. He's ready to ascend, but he came back for the one who missed out. The king of the cosmos had already accomplished the greatest victory of all time. So what? One doubting disciple. But instead of saying to him, Shame on you, he instead says, peace be with you, Thomas. Why? Why? Because, listen friends, Jesus meets his own at the point of our unfaithfulness. He meets us at the point of our weakness. He comes alongside of us when we are completely out of any faith. We're running on empty. And that's when Jesus shows up. That's when the most powerful encounters with a living God happen in your life. And that can happen today. You've got nothing. You can't sing these songs with, with any sense of assurance. You're scared. You're anxious. Right now, right where you're sitting or standing, Jesus wants to meet you just like he met Thomas, that's our king. The Bible says that he condescends. It means he, he, he left heaven 
to come down to us. And he condescends, he, he dumbs it down so that we little human people can understand him. He comes alongside us. So when your faith is fading, when fear is bigger than faith, he will not browbeat you. He comes alongside you. He meets you at your lowest points of doubt and he lifts you up. That's our Lord. And he will open your eyes spiritually, even if but for a glimpse so you see what's really going on. All of Thomas's skepticism evaporated. Tears of repentance and relief filled his eyes. He drops to his knees and says, my Lord and my God. Can you say that this morning? Do you know him as your Lord and your God? Thomas is not the only famous skeptic and doubter who was transformed by a living encounter with Jesus. The apostle Paul, he was a hater of Christians. He was transformed. He was born again. He was saved. Jesus' half-brother James, Luke, Clement, Polycarp, Tertullian, Origen, C.S. Lewis, all giants of the faith, all started out as doubters with great numbers of questions. Jesus met Thomas where he was at, and he'll meet you there too. Sin is an offense to God. And because of it, we are trapped. We are far from God. We're running from him. And that's why he sent his son to rescue you, to bring hope to the world. He was buried. And according to scripture, he, he rose again on the third day. If you believe this and confess Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You'll pass from spiritual death to life, from darkness to light, and the Holy Spirit will come and descend and live within you. As Rob said at the beginning of our service, it will, he will live in you. And you'll become a temple of the Holy Spirit. So can you say this morning, my Lord and my God? Listen, it's not easy to live the Christian faith when it's only head knowledge. And in fact, it's, it's incredibly painful when you go through hard times, when you haven't experienced the living Jesus. Verse 29 says, because you've seen me, Thomas, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What's Jesus saying? He says, Thomas, you've seen me. I'm so thankful that you, you, you've, your eyes have been opened. I've opened your eyes. But blessed, Jesus says, are those who will come after you. Generations upon generations, they will be blessed because they will believe even though they haven't physically seen me. Because they'll walk by faith. Jesus has you in mind for that blessing. And millions upon millions upon millions are gathered together on this day to celebrate our living Lord. This passage ends this way. It'll be, on the, it'll be on your TVs again. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 says this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Friends, there is so much historical evidence for the resurrection, more than any other ancient history, more copies, early copies dated early than any other historical event or figure in all of ancient history. We have the example of the martyrs, 
people who gave their lives for Jesus. We have the phenomenal growth of the Christian church. Evidence upon evidence. And we could be here all morning trying to answer all those questions that you might have. A lot of the kind of questions that we had on Friday night. But, but at some point, the questions have to give over to an experience of Jesus. For those among us who are believers in Christ, I want to challenge you with this. How often do you slip back into doubting when things are going well in your life? How often do you think like a non-believer who has no eternal hope? And yet you start thinking that those old thoughts, those old negative thoughts, you start listening to your own uh, loop in your head. How often do you self-isolate spiritually? My encouragement to you is, is do not stop asking good questions. Remember back long ago, some of us can remember the time when we first met Jesus. Some of us grew up in church and some of us like me uh, met Jesus later in life. But do you remember the questions? Stop, don't stop asking good questions. And for those among us who do not yet believe, who maybe have a little Thomas in you, who right now as you're watching this are listening, but you're frustrated, you're confused, you're looking for answers, you're seeing this pastor jumping up and down on the screen, and, and you're, not, you're not feeling it, you're not experiencing, like, where is Jesus? I want to say to you, he's right here present to you right now. This is your appointed time for Jesus to come into your room, into your heart, and into your life. I'd invite you to keep asking good questions. I invite you to come and continue to be a part of our fellowship here at Maple Valley Church. We're starting up small groups next week. We have questions all the time. We're constantly asking good questions. No question is a bad question. We want you to come on this journey. Say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. It still sounds a little bit like nonsense to me. I haven't made sense of it. And we say, come. You are welcomed. Join us. And my prayer for you as we, as we close in worship and the team's going to start coming up, my, my prayer for you this morning is that seeing will be believing. We're going to continue in worship, a couple more songs, and then we have the blessing or the benediction with, with Pastor Frank, and that normally marks the end of the service, but then stick around, friends. We have a very special uh, original music video uh, from Maple Valley Worship uh, written by Rob Wood, performed by Rob and, and Hallie Plett. Amazing. Boy, she's got a voice like an angel. Uh, sophomore at Tahoma High. Uh, hope that you will be blessed by this. Let's just continue in worship. I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to continue. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all of the different uh, perspectives on, on the resurrection and how honest the gospel writers are. They didn't edit it. They, they leave the the embarrassing stuff in there. It just has a, a ring of authenticity. You would think they, they would edit out those parts of confusion. They might edit out the parts about women being the first one on the scene, but that's actually what happened. And it brings it that much more to life. Lord, for those of us who still have questions and doubts, who are feeling low and frustrated, who haven't experienced that life transformation, oh God, now, in Jesus' name, by your Holy Spirit, come and do a good work in us. Come and do in us what only you can do.
bring your peace that passes understanding on all who watch this celebration of Resurrection Sunday, of your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.